Esther chapter 3, would you go there with me in the word of God? Esther chapter number 3. And let's see what else God will say to us from this passage of Scripture as we continue to lean and glean from the Word of God. Turn to the person beside you say, lean and glean. Yes, indeed. All right. Esther chapter 3. After these things did King Hazarus promote Haman, the son of Hamedatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that when the king's gate bowed, reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants, which were in the king's gate, said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? And it came to pass when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand. For he had told them he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone. That's where it starts. huh? For they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore, anytime you see the wherefore in the Bible, you find out what it's there for, right? Wherefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole realm of Hazarus, even the people of Mordecai. Are you watching this thing grow? You see it? Verse 6, he begins by starting to scorn and lay hands on Mordecai. How? Alone. By the end of the verse, same guy sought to destroy all all the Jews. We talk about that just a little bit. When? In the first month, that is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Azurus, they cast Pur. Talk about that in a little bit. That is the lot before Haman from day to day, from month to month, to the twelfth month. That is the month Adar. So we're in the first month and it's, it's to be done in the, in the twelfth month. It's an amazing, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> if I tell you now, you won't pay attention. And Haman said unto King Azarus, there's a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed. Everybody say, a certain people. Yeah, listen to that kind of talk. There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. Mm-hmm. Let the church say amen. Father, have thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin. Empty me of self. Fill me with your spirit. Help me be a blessing. Thank you that you're real. The song says, I can feel them in my soul. You're not a feeling. You're not real because we feel. You're real because you're a fact. But thank God this fact comes with some feeling. And we're not saved by what we feel, but it sure feels good to be saved. 
Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Do a great work. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. God is working behind the scenes. How many of you have experienced that in your own personal life? Would you say amen to that? Even throughout the week, it's, it's amazing to watch God work even when you can't see it so clearly. You know, God sometimes is like the wind. huh? You can't see wind. Okay, if you somebody look at the wind and see it, you can't see it, but you can see them leaves blowing. <laughs> somebody said, "Well, I don't believe God; I can't see Him." Well, I don't believe wind, but I believe it. So, some, something took. Uh, I was expecting a package last week, and FedEx said it was delivered, and I looked and. I didn't see it delivered, and I checked with everybody in the house, and nobody had it. It wasn't in the mail. It wasn't at the mailbox, and I checked, maybe went to another address, and it wasn't there. And then I called the company, and they said, look up the tracking number. And I looked up the tracking number, and FedEx had a picture of the package being placed on my front door at the doormat sitting there. I said to myself, well, if they've got a picture that the package was there, nobody's going to come take this package off. The, there's, there's no benefit to them. Well, the wind's been blowing, though. So I don't know if the Holy Spirit, some say, well, go look on the side of the house, and maybe the package is blown over there. And lo and behold, I walked to the edge of the porch, looked on the side, and there it was. And let me tell you something. I didn't see wind blow it, but I know where it was when they put it, and I know where it was when I found it. I just like to make it loud and clear. I believe in wind. <laughs> Somebody said, well, I've not met God. I've not shook God's hand. I've not seen him in person. He never appeared to me. I've never seen a big Jesus in the sky. No, no, maybe you have. But I know what I was before I met him. I know what it's like to try to live life without. I know what I sense when I get up in the morning. I know what happens when I pray. I know who speaks to me when I do wrong. I know who walks with me when I am discouraged. I know who keeps me company when I am am alone. I may have never met him in the flesh, but I know what used to be and what is now. I know what happened and what happened ain't happening no more. I know what I was and I know what I'm not. I know what I can't do and I know what I'm somehow doing. I do believe loud and clear. I believe in God. He's working behind the scenes. You better learn. Amen. In the Christian life. To go with the facts first and let the feelings come. Christian life is always fact first, feelings come afterwards. If you're looking for the feelings to pull the facts, that thing's going to break down. But if you're looking for the facts to pull the feelings, eventually the feelings got to come on over. We get on, sometimes they're going to have to come on over the hill because if facts are pulling feelings, you rest assured that engine's going to keep on moving because facts don't change. He's working. He's at work. And here we are. In chapter number three, is God working behind the scenes in the midst of an evil plot? Sure he is. When the wicked are scheming altogether contrary to what God wants, when, when those that are in charge have the mind of God as the furthest thing 
in their thoughts. Is God still at work? When, when cruel people, when rude people, when wicked people, when vile people are sitting on the throne, when people that should not get promoted get put in charge, while the people who are doing the most good are in the lowest of lowest of positions, is God still working? See, I'm finding out about some Christians. They give a loud amen that God is working when the money is good and the friends are, are, are many and, and when, there's, when there's food on the table and when everybody likes them and things are going well and, and health is all clear. Amen, amen, God is still working. But when they get bad news and when bad people get in control and when they find out something they didn't plan on, all of a sudden they start questioning God. I'm trying to tell you he is just as active when things go bad as he is when things are going good. So there's a ridiculous promotion and Haman gets put in charge. <laughs> Extreme advancement of this guy who's given exclusive authority. I mean, it's, it's pretty mind-boggling when, when crazy people are in charge. I mean, they get all the authority. He advances him and sets his seat above all the princes, puts him up top. And, and, and then all of a sudden, people join in as ready patronizers. All the servants are bowing and supporting him. And yet, the refused participation of this guy, this guy, the stakes are higher now. Remember, Mordecai was doing right when he was a nobody outside the gate, just looking over Esther. He's doing right. Now, it's more pressure. See, it's easy not to bow when there's nothing to risk. But, 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 but will you not bow when you're the only one standing? Somebody help me preach tonight. See, see, the closer we get to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more out of place your Christianity will become. Okay? See, see, it ain't hard to turn down the Kool-Aid when everybody in the office don't drink Kool-Aid. But it's hard to say no when everybody else is saying yes. That's, that's what's happening in the life of Mordecai. All of his counterparts are bowing, and yet he refuses participation. He will not bow down to this man. He will not bow down to this man. There's no doubt in my mind that Mordecai knew who this man was. He knew the genealogy of this man. He knew this man was an Agagite. This is not Mordecai being insubordinate. This is not Mordecai being disrespectful to authority. Mordecai knew that the kind of man that this guy was did not warrant his reverence. He respected the position of the king, but he could not go along with reverencing someone who clearly defied God. Somebody help me preach now because too many Christians are going along with stuff that defies God. See, the moment what is status quo forces you to violate scriptural principle, you got to draw the line. You, you got to draw the line. By the way, draw the line regardless of the consequences. Draw the line without considering the risk. Draw the line without asking people if you can negotiate your punishment. Draw the line because God said so. Let's get back to Christianity where the lines are drawn because of what God said. Stop making your Christian life so complicated by making judgment calls that God has already made for you. Should I go? Should I say it? Should I miss? 
Should I skip? Well, if it was wrong for you to skip before, it's wrong for you to skip now regardless of what you're skipping. Somebody help me preach. You've got to draw the lines because God said so. And so he refuses participation. I'm not going to bow. And now this is, is a repeated probe because, because when he won't bow, the other people don't understand. Why are you transgressing the king's commandment? Verse number three, Mordecai, we're bowing. Why aren't you bowing? Come on, man. We're laughing at the joke. Why aren't you laughing at the joke? We drink. Why don't you drink? We cuss. Why don't you cuss? We party. Why don't you party? We wear it. Why don't you wear it? We watch it. Why don't you watch it? We smoke it. Why don't you smoke it? We laugh at it. Why don't you laugh at it? We think it's fine. Why don't you think it's fine? And by the way, you better know why you don't do something. Otherwise, when you're pushed to do it, you're going to do it because you don't know why you weren't doing it in the first place. God, help us as a body of Christ to do more telling people why we believe what we believe than just what we believe, especially some of this stuff we claim we believe that ain't even in the Bible. And that's why we have a generation of young people that the, the moment they're exposed to freedom and decision-making, they get as far away from what they've been taught as they can because they've never been told why we do what we do. Now, I'm not saying everybody gets taught they're going to keep on doing it, but bless God when they don't do it, help it be ringing in their mind, I'm violating God and not just the opinion of somebody that was and is no longer in charge of me. Will your Christianity last in Persia? Mordecai's did. So they're repeating the probe. Why won't you? Why won't you? Why won't you? How often? How often? Daily. Daily. Come on now. If you, if you say you're going to public school, you better, if you're going to live for it, to be a Christian, expect to be questioned daily. If you're a Christian and you're working in the secular world and you're going to live out your Christianity, expect to be probed daily. Some Christians won't stay Christian because they're tired of getting asked questions. Can I ask you, if the Christ of Christianity was questioned, why in the world should Christians not be questioned? And God help us. You're going to be questioned. Why? Because you won't do what everybody else is doing. And by the way, I refuse to let the world make me think I'm crazy. Come on now, help me preach. It's not crazy to think men marry women and women marry men. It's not crazy to think that you shouldn't drink. It's not crazy to think that you shouldn't cuss. Amen. It's not crazy to think that a husband shouldn't be lusting after a woman that's not his wife. It's not crazy to think that a, a, a paid individual should tithe 52 weeks a year. It's not crazy to think that you shouldn't forsake the assembling of yourself. It's not crazy to think that you shouldn't raise your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that's a long sentence for saying they should be disciplined when they disobey. It's not crazy. But it is to people who don't do it. So the probe is repeated. And, and when he won't give in, now they're going to report him. So here's the threat. Here it is. Look, man, we're your peers. You don't want to go along with it? We're going to go tell the teacher. And that's what happens. Coworkers start discussing it. You won't listen. We're going to report it to the boss. So now they report it to Haman to see 
to see whether Mordecai's matters would stay. Let's see if Haman's going to put up with the fact Mordecai won't bow down. And by the way, the Bible tells us, verse 4, Mordecai had revealed to them he was a Jew. So he had told his contemporaries, oh, by the way, I'm a Jew. Probably in his explanation as to why he wouldn't bow. Y'all don't understand why I'm not bowing because y'all from Persia. But see, 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 I ain't from here. Somebody help me preach. Tell you what, I'm nothing is wrong with Christians. What is, ain't the Bible good? Oh, about seven of you. More than that here tonight. Isn't the Bible good? Here's another way where we struggle as Christians. Sometimes it's not that we won't give the right answer. But sometimes we give the right answer but won't give the right reason for the answer. Can you go to this party? No, I'm busy. You ain't busy. You're just too scared to admit it's not a Christian thing for you to do. Do you listen to that? No, I never heard that song. Don't say I never heard it. Say I've, I heard about it and I ain't listening to it because I know what it's about. Start telling people you don't do what you do because you're not from here. I'm not bowing down because I'm a Jew. Where I come from, that doesn't go. Next time somebody want to ask you to do something that's worldly, say, I'm not doing it because I'm not from here. I didn't miss it because I was sick. I didn't forget to go and I was in church. I, I, didn't, I didn't go to the bathroom because I had to go. I left because I'm not listening to that dirty joke. Oh, come, come, come on now. I, I, I wasn't sick. I decided not to come. Y'all are from here. I'm not from here. Listen, we're living in the world, but we're not from the world. We're, we're in the world, but we're, we're not of the world. Our citizens our conversation is in heaven. It's high time we stopped excusing our Christian activity as, oops, my bad, I just, just happened to do it. No, 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 I don't do that because where I'm from, that doesn't go. And you better start acting like where you're from and not where you live. Did anybody hear me? See, in this life, until Jesus comes, you're going to live different places. But it's important that you maintain the conduct of your citizenship regardless of your pilgrimage. And so they report in a, in a provocative way. The reporting provocation. They tell him. And verse 5. When Haman saw that Mordecai bowed now, nor did a reverence, he was full of wrath. You're going to make somebody mad when you won't go along with what he says, especially a pompous fool, okay? He's so full of himself. And the fact that somebody wouldn't bow down to him enraged him. By the way, anything you get seriously angry about is a revelation as to how important it is to you. Huh? So help me now. I've known Christian people that didn't get very sensitive about their God, but were very sensitive about their political candidate. Now, it's amazing how you can defend somebody you're trying to vote in, and you can't defend somebody who has always been on the throne. See, whatever you defend vigorously is what you love vigorously. And I'll tell you what, Haman is getting upset about, getting reverenced. So, so it tells us if he got upset about not getting reverenced, 
then being reverenced is what meant the most to him. Anybody that gets mad that they don't get attention is in love with attention. I can't believe they didn't notice me. I can't believe they didn't remember me. I can't believe they didn't credit me. If you get that mad about it, then you are too in love with it. Who in the world would get mad that a man didn't notice you when the king of kings knows how many hairs are on your head? Wow. So this raging person. Look at verse 6. He thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Scorn. Ouch. Was that your elbow? We pray your strength in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Those pews are not going to move. I wouldn't challenge them with my elbow if I were you. you you'll lose. All right. Uh, look at verse 6. Better than your head. And he thought to scorn. I've seen that happen in church too with those that fall asleep. So uh, you might want to stay awake. You might lose the battle with your head on the pew. And, uh, but you will wake up. Verse 6. He thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone. What's verse number six? For they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Hazarus, even the people of Mordecai. Now watch this now. He's, he's a raging person. You hear me now? And now this raging person has reckless passion. This guy ain't going to bow to me. I'm going to kill him. But then he gets news. He's a Jew. Let me tell you how reckless your passions are. His hatred for what one man did now elevated to the level he wants to kill everybody else that's like that man. Reckless. That's why you got to do something with your anger. Because your anger will start towards a person and the next thing you know, you want to kill everybody else that resembles that person. I'm getting somewhere. Even the people of Mordecai. Verse 7. How does it happen? Through a routine process. The first month, that's the month of Nisan. Twelfth year. They're going to cast per. Per is another word for casting of lots. It would be similar like drawing straws, rolling dice. This was what was done to get any partiality out of the situation. They didn't want parties to pick and people picking their favorites. Uh, Proverbs talks about the lot is of the Lord. So they really believed they cast lots that ultimately God would determine what would happen. By the way, the disciples did this when it was, came time to get a replacement for Judas. God, God never condemns this in Scripture. We don't understand all of that, but we find a number of times in Scripture where it seems as if God did handle it. And, and, and by the way, this was the first month they cast lots, and the lot ended up proving, per was what they called it, ended up deciding that this destruction of the Jews would happen on the 12th month. I don't know all that took place, but it seemed like God was in this because those 11 months sure gave Israel time for God to work out his plan. Aren't you glad that even when the world's up there rolling dice thinking they're doing something, even God's got his hand in that. It's a routine process. But now look at verse 8. And Haman said unto the king, this is where I want to get in our close tonight. There is a certain people. You hear that? 
Hey, King, there is a certain people. Write this down in your notes. Revealed prejudice. This is prejudice. Hey, hey, watch this now. I don't like what that man Mordecai did. And so now I want to wipe him out. Oh, Mordecai's a Jew. Well, guess what? Let's kill all the Jews. And this is, this is how a prejudiced person talks. Look at them certain people. Look at them certain people. And don't get quiet in here tonight with your black cells. You can be prejudiced too. Huh? See, see here, here's, here's how prejudice is rooted. It's rooted in disdain for an individual. Your disdain for the individual then gets linked, gets linked to the person's characteristics or identity. It didn't start off hating a Jew. It started off hating a person that wouldn't bow down. All prejudice is rooted in pride. See, in order to look down on someone, you have to elevate yourself. You can't look down on someone who's at the same level with you. Somebody help me preach. So in order to look down on another human being, you have to put yourself on a level where you don't belong because the only way to look down is for you to go up. So all prejudice is rooted in pride. But sometimes it doesn't always start off with prejudice for people. It starts off with passion towards a person. And then when you find out the kind of person that that person is, now all of a sudden somebody cut me off and it happened to be a Spanish person. Somebody mistreated me. It happened to be an Asian person. Somebody said this to me. It happened to be a white person. Somebody acted like this to me and he happens to be black. So now all of them that way. And since I don't like what he did, I don't like none of them look like him. And as far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't care if they got rid of all of them. Be careful. Be careful when you start talking like Haman. Them people. King, there's a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in the provinces of that kingdom. That's true. They are scattered. Their laws are diverse from all people. This is misleading. This is prejudice. They got their own laws. They, they, trying, they trying to do their own. No, 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 no. They're not trying to do their own thing. They're trying to do God's thing. And there's never an indication in all the book of Esther that Israelites living like God told them to live in Persia was any threat to Persians. Listen to me. Nothing we do in America that's Christian is a threat to America. As a matter of fact, it's a help. God will never have you do something that's going to mess up people. The best thing for America to have is Christian people living Christian. But this is how you package it. This is how a prejudiced person talks. Them people are this way, and their way is a detriment to the way. We, we, got, to get, we got to get them out of here. Because they taking over. That's how a prejudiced person talks. Anybody listening? Mm. We, can't, we can't be having them around. Everywhere you turn, you see them. 
By the way, I'm closing. If you have a problem seeing people where you roll that don't look like you, plan to have a problem with heaven. John said, I saw a multitude of every kindred and every tribe. <laughs> well, well, some things we say in the pulpit make for good preaching, but they make for lousy theology. Let me give you some of them. Huh? God is colorblind. God is colorblind. When God looks in the world, he sees everybody the same color. That sounds good, but it's stupid. God's not colorblind. God sees everything. You don't think God can tell them from between a black person and a white person? A Spanish person and an Asian person? You think God can't tell the difference between somebody from here and somebody from there? He's not colorblind. See, the problem with America is not that we need to be colorblind. It's that we need to be able to look at different colors and not see people differently. God's not colorblind. He doesn't have a problem with colors. He looks at a black man, a white man, a yellow man, a green man, an orange man, and looks at them all the same because at the end of the day, they've all been made in his image. They've all been made from the dust of the ground, and they're all candidates for the gospel, and they're all potential citizens of heaven if they get washed in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. When we stop trying to see everybody as black, everybody as white, everybody as yellow, and start seeing people as people that God has made, color won't matter. There is a certain people. Think about this before you go home tonight. Don't let something that happened to you that bothers you so much that you're so full of pride cause you to turn into a prejudice stereotyper. Better not let nobody, better not let one of them over there because they're going and you the first person to pull out the race card. It might be that you're so sensitive about people being prejudiced because you are yourself. Be careful. Be careful. It all started with pride. He won't bow down. I'm going to kill him. Oh, did anybody tell you? He's a Jew. Oh, boy. Let's kill all of them. Genocide. That's what it is. That's what he's doing. We, we, we think somebody wakes up. Now, he may have had in his history, he's an Agagite, the Amalekites. There's no question they were, they were enemies of God historically, way back with Samuel and Agag, the Amalekites. Big, yeah. Well, it's amazing. It's amazing how we don't hate people when we first meet them till we find out who they are. Oh, he's a nice guy. You know he got a black daddy and a white mama? Oh, I don't like him then. He looked white. Watch it. Watch it. This is, this is Haman. I ain't really had no problem with them until I found out that he that they were related to that man that won't bow down to me. Well, prejudice. Some I had somebody tell me recently, uh, uh, Pastor Baldwin. I heard you do a a, a lesson. Uh, I don't know if it was an interview or a podcast or something on on prejudice. I, you know, when I heard it, I heard you say it. And if it came from you, you must really believe it. I didn't really realize that prejudice was still alive. What cave are you living in? And it will be till Jesus fixed the 
convoluted mind of mankind. But what I want us to be mindful of, because Peter, Peter had preached in Acts 2, 3,000 people got saved. He healed somebody in Acts 3. Amen. Acts chapter 4, he spoke with such boldness that they could tell he'd been with Jesus. By Acts 5, he gets locked up and he's standing back in the, the house of God preaching again. Say, we ought to obey God rather than man. Come on. I mean, God is using Peter. He has walked on water. Nobody else in the Bible besides Jesus walked on water. I would say Peter the Pentecost preacher, Peter the water walker, Peter the healer, Peter the one that's been with Jesus, Peter the one that sees 3,000 people get saved, baptized, and join the church in one day. I would say he's a pretty good man of God, wouldn't you? Acts chapter 10, he's prejudiced. You can do a whole lot for God and still be prejudiced. So don't put it past yourself. I'm doing too much for the Lord. Surely that low sin of prejudice couldn't exist in me. It did in Peter. And God had to send a vision with creeping things on a, on a rug that came from heaven to tell him what I cleanse don't you call unclean. If I tell you eat it, don't tell me you don't eat it. How are you going to tell God you ain't going to eat something? I made it. I cleansed it. And God, Peter found out this ain't really about cuisine. This is about compassion because there was a Gentile man by the name of Cornelius who needed to be saved. And if Peter couldn't eat food that God has cleansed, no wonder he couldn't talk to people that Jesus died for. He got it right instead of a truth. God is no respecter of persons. And I like about Peter in Acts chapter 11. He took the lesson he learned in chapter 10 and he went and told people about it in chapter 11. Stop getting right with God and keeping it under wraps. We'll find out whether you, when, when you learn your lesson, when you're willing to tell people your story. I used to be whack on this subject like you are, and God got me right. Join me. Amen. That's right. It's, I'm telling you, it might take somebody who looks like you to, con, to confront someone else that looks like you so that person will actually listen. Because sometimes when someone that doesn't look like them, they don't listen to them because they claim they don't understand. Peter said, I was like you. I was prejudiced. And God changed me. And here's Haman. It all starts with pride. Stop elevating yourself above people. We're on equal terms. The ground is level at the cross. God is working behind the scenes. The next time you read passages of scripture so quickly, so you can hurry up and get to the stuff you really enjoy. Pause a little while. There's a reason why that word sila is placed in scripture. It means stop and think about it. Next time you rush through scripture like this, realize that God is unveiling for us so much that we need to learn. This is more than just a little cute story about the frog that turned into a prince and Rapunzel let down her hair. Okay? God is showing us in this story that I'm working. There's a whole lot of sin that's going on in Persia, just like a whole lot of it's going on in the world right now. God said, I'm going to get mine. And Haman is scheming to wipe out a people. And God says, even when the most powerful have a plan to destroy, their power never supersedes God's power. Our Father, we love you and we bless you. Thank you for your word. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Pastor, God is working in my heart.
these are principles I have to give thought to. Be willing to look in the mirror. Face the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Not dismiss them as below me or something I'd never do. Pastor, I want to be so sensitive to the Spirit of God. And by the way, it's not just prejudice against nationality or color. Just, just sometimes we got to be careful that we, we don't get so mad at people because we think too much of ourselves. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. Be careful. You don't want anybody doing you that way, do you? Pastor, God is working in my heart, and I want him to. Would you raise your hand? All over the building. God is working in my heart, and I want him to. God bless you. My hand is up with you. Yeah, I want him to. Thank you, Lord. We love you, and we bless you. Keep working in Jesus' name.